Hello and welcome to the UK Wildlife Podcast with me, Neil Phillips, and I'm joined today by Stefan. Hello, Stefan. Hi, Neil. How are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, pleasure to be here today. To start with, Stefan, can you introduce yourself and tell people who you are and what you do, please? Well, I'm Stefan Walton. I'm the warden of Sandwich Bay Bird Observatory Trust, based at Sandwich Bay in East Kent. We always start the episodes with our recent wildlife sightings. So do you have a recent wildlife sighting highlight? Um, the past month has been really interesting down here at Sandwich Bay. And we've had species such as black-winged stilts and ten-minked stints. Uh, we've had bee eaters as well. So I could say it's been pretty exciting and colourful. Excellent. Oh, you've done pretty well. Um, I'm going to go with the stag beetle I found in my childhood garden last weekend I was mowing the grass don't don't at me it's a family decision not mine <laughs> to mow the grass and a stag beetle came out of a patch of well basically there's a hump in the ground where there used to be oh, was it a pear tree an old pear tree and obviously there's lots of rotten wood under the ground and out it came so that was pretty good I rescued it and put it towards the end of the garden though wherever you was safe I'm quite jealous I've never seen one actually you never seen a stag beetle a lot of people no. have never seen one you do live in the southeast, though, so you haven't got that much of an excuse, but you don't work at a, a woodland site, so I think we can... We no, can, uh... there's not a lot of woodland on the coast here, so I know they're not too far away, so um, fingers crossed one day I'll get one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're in Bleem Woods somewhere, aren't they? That's, that's yeah. not too far away. Talking of being on the coast, can you explain where Sandwich Bay Bird Observatory is and what it is? Well, SPBOT is part of a network of bird observatories positioned around the UK, we monitor resident and migratory bird populations. We're based at Sandwich Bay in East Kent. I've been monitoring the local wildlife since 1952. And over time, our ability and knowledge has expanded to learn more about all taxa in the area, not just the birds, from the beavers to the butterflies, bumblebees and bats, basically. And the organisation has gradually added to the land holdings over time. So we now have a number of hides and reserves in the area. And we built our, our field centre in the early 2000s. And we use it to run a wide range of events. And we can also accommodate up to 18 people too. So it's um it's a busy place. Yeah, it's great. I've been there three or four times now. So it's a great little place. So what sort of things go on in Sandwich Bird Observatory? Are you catching and ringing birds or is there other things going on too? Yes, we have a team of bird ringers on site. They're all volunteers. Quite a busy team. They're in most days. But we also have everything from butterfly transects to bat walks. We have lots of flora experts as well, so we do lots of orchid work in the area monitoring, and we as well as the, the daily kind of bird census as well. There's often other little bits going on, you know, looking at habitat mats and refugia and things as well. Yeah, so it's a bird observatory, but really it's a all-round nature observatory. Absolutely. I think we really kind of embrace the field centre side of what we do here. The core work does remain, the bird monitoring, but there's so much more going on here. Oh, fantastic. So... How did the observatory come about? Sandwich Bay has been visited by nature enthusiasts for a very long time. The Victorian naturalists would come down from London to explore the area. So there's a long history of monitoring. And in the late 1940s and early 1950s, locals noticed in particular how good the area was for bird migration. They set up the first ringing station, which eventually is where our organisation grew out of. We've mentioned that you've got some migrants there. So what sort of birds can people expect to find at Sandwich I, mean, I guess it varies across the year, doesn't it? Absolutely. As you could expect on the Kentish coast, it can change a lot depending on the weather and seasons. But over 350 species of bird have been recorded here. 
I think because the area is full of wildflower grasslands, low intensity farmland and wetland, and these are all connected on a mini landscape scale, it's proved valuable at protecting our declining farmland birds. So it does really well for corn bunting and lapwing and grey partridge, but also as well as for attracting new colonists such as little egret and avocet. Migration through the area can be particularly spectacular. You know, in autumn, I've seen eight or nine hundred black caps and, you know, four or five hundred chiff chaffs. Every bush seems alive. It's a very interesting place. If those are interested in kind of the scarce and rare birds, there's always been exceptional sightings here. Last year, we, of course, had the Eleonora's falcon and the yellow-browed bunting. Well, they say there was an Eleonora's falcon. I didn't see it <laughs> when I went to look for it. Plenty of hobbies, though. It was here for 10 days, so you, you, you had your chance. I got there on a day that was cloudy in the morning, and by the time I got there, apparently someone had seen it. I think I saw the red-footed falcon briefly, so you know. Oh, well, that's that's great. That, that was particularly good to see as well, and sometimes that, that bird was performing really close. It takes something when people are disappointed that they've seen a red-footed falcon because they wanted something rarer, but... I spent a lot of the time kind of manning the twitch in the car park during the Eleonora's falcon when it was here. And just from the car park alone, I had honey buzzard and golden oriole and things. So there were lots of things coming through during that time that there was just so much to see. It was it was an amazing time. Funny thing was the RSVB staff member, it was her first week, wasn't it? <laughs> With a mega rebel. Absolutely. First week in the job, you know, baptism of fire. I did have a laugh about it. It was towards the end when I went, so she was having a bit of a laugh about the, the fun first week. But nobody cares about feathered things. Um <laughs> <laughs> I think okay. a few people do. Oh, okay. You've got some rare dragonflies, haven't you? That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've recorded 31 species in the Sandwich Bay area, and at least 28 of these breed, which probably makes us the most biodiverse site in the UK. We're known nationally for our own important colony of dainty damselfly, but we also have variable and southern emerald damselflies, Norfolk corkers, scarce chasers, lesser emperors, and red-veined darters. I think it's between you guys and Carlton Marshes who's got the most. Carlton Marshes cheats a little bit because, in a way, not cheating, but they're non-breeding ones, a lot of them. They've had some species that have literally only turned up there and only once. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I think someone has been trying to work it out. I think it's down to you two guys. And I think in terms of breeding species, I think Thursday's the only one that really comes close. So, Well, Carlton's a lovely place as well. So, you know, I don't mind sharing with them. I could be diplomatic. They have got one good thing you haven't got, which is Fenraf spiders. So, um, uh, well, but they haven't got sand lizards, so you know, <laughs> swings and roundabout. Yeah. So, what other wildlife is there? You've mentioned the orchids and rare plants. What what sort of rare plants and stuff like that can people find? We have important populations of lizard orchid and clove scented broom rape, which are out right now, which people are, vis- are visiting. But also, the the whole lowland sand dune flora is important. Species such as sand catchfly and Deptford pink. But pretty much whatever taxa you look at, you find something scarce here. It's the diversity of habitats and the position on the Kent coast which makes it so interesting. We recorded over 1,200 species of moth with more biodiversity action plan species than anywhere in the UK. You've got specialties like bright wave and rest arrow, which in particular people tend to like to come and see. And we found out that we've got more bees, wasps and ants recorded at Sandwich Bay than anywhere in the UK as well. Recent studies of the solitary bees revealed a new species for the UK, Whilst we have impressive ranges of a range of things such as shield bugs, we have greater streak, lesser streak than sand runner here. Crikey, <laughs> and that's just the highlights. <laughs> I mean, that's just a handful of things just to mention. But you know, pretty much whatever you're interested in, you're going to find something here. Now on to the trickier questions, which is what is the best thing you've seen in your time there? 
Oh, that's a really hard question. My answer would probably change each time you ask me it, to be honest with you. I do really enjoy seeing the reserves full of all the flowers and the orchids over the summer because I know all the hard work that goes in on over the winter to make that happen. But if I have to think of something specific, ah, that's a hard one. I mean, I've seen long-eared owls on the nest and I've seen death's head hawk moths and I've had a beaver running along the coast in front of me and singing Savvy's warblers. I was pretty elated when I confirmed the rediscovery of the dainty damselflies that have been extinct on mainland Britain for 60 years. But if I have to think about one particular thing that sticks in my mind, we had a day in September a number of years back when we had 110,000 house martins come through and 45,000 swallows. um, That was amazing. That was absolutely amazing. The spectacle of migration, of everything trying to exit the UK on that day, it was just amazing. Did you say 100,000 coming through? We got to 110,000 house martins. And that day, I just remember seeing all the golfers on the golf courses nearby all staring at the sky as well, you know, the the massive wave. And I remember being on the beach and I got a telescope and looked out to sea. And as far as the eye could see was house martins. I turned around and from my vantage point looked back inland, miles inland, and all I could see was house martins. And they were just moving through in this broad front for hours and hours and hours passing through. So no one picked out a red rump swallow in that lot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't think you can. I, th- I mean, we could have had a hundred pass through on that day and it would have been impossible to find them all. Yeah. It was absolutely incredible. Wow, amazing. So how would you count that many birds? Lots of fingers and thumbs. <laughs> it's, it's incredibly difficult, but I mean, we have a lot of expertise in practicing with this on a regular daily basis. But when you get to something on that scale, you have to accept a certain range of error. Oh, yeah. And the best thing to do really is to count in small portions of time. So have a number of people count in really diligently for a minute Mm. and then repeat that every now and again and multiplying it up. And then every time you think that there's been a change in speed of movement through the flock, then just repeat it endlessly. I know you can do stuff with flocks, can't you, where you sort of count a tenth of it and then multiply by 10 and stuff like that. But I imagine when you've got a constant stream, it's... absolutely if he's doing it on a flock that's that's either static or just whirling around in the air in front of you mm. that's when you can use i definitely use the little blocks where you visualize 10 mm. and 10 10 10 and, and things like that or you would change the size of your flock that you're trying to envisage depending on the overall size of the flock that you're looking at but from moving birds that are passing through you you don't have that ability you, you can't you don't have the chance to repeat your counts either just to you know to make sure you're absolutely correct as well. So in that case, you just got to use that technique I mentioned before. I find the worst thing to try and count actually are starlings. <laughs> starlings are the worst. They move around too quickly in the air. The, you know, the front of the flock will move to the back of the flock endlessly. And even on the ground, they're endlessly leapfrogging each other. Mm. They're a particularly hard one. Well, they're hard enough to count when there's like 10 on a feeder and they're all jumping over <laughs> each other, let alone a huge yes. flock. So do you get big flocks of waders and stuff in the winter on the shoreline there? or We can do. Um, Pegwell Bay forms part of the National Nature Reserve here and it's well known for its wader assemblages. You don't quite get the scale that you would do at something like Snettersham in North Norfolk, but we have our own fair share of, of flocks, you know, and you can get into the thousands certainly there. And lots of other birds there, you know, you can go there in the autumn and see 20,000 gulls or stuff like that as well. So it, it's it's a particularly good area for for staging, wintering, breeding and passage birds at different times of the year. 
So, Stefan, we've talked a lot about the observatory, but what do you do in your role? What is your role there? As warden, I think that basically means I do everything sometimes. <laughs> it's a lovely job, but I am involved with lots of different things. So my main priority is the monitoring of the wildlife in the area. So we predominantly do the bird census on a daily basis, especially during the migration periods. We do breeding bird surveys throughout the area as well. But away from the surveys, I also try and organise the other volunteers, You know, particularly if we want outside expertise to come in and study on particular taxa. We run lots of events at the field centre, so I might bring in an expert to help teach a course on something. And we do lots of other events on walks and talks throughout the year. I, we also have accommodation on site as well, so I, I, I run that as well. And I'm involved with some of the more boring stuff in the background that has to be done, of course. You know, the data that we collect has to be digitised, has to be analysed, reports have to be written. And, you know, I spend a lot of time dealing with some of that side of things as well. Right, so it's not all out enjoying nature all the time, is it? There's no job that is entirely that, unfortunately. I think it's pretty standard for most ecologists across the UK that you, you have the days where you get to be outside and it's great. You have the days where it's outside and you get rained on. And you have the days where you have to be stuck inside looking at the weather while you're busy entering data. So it comes with the role and the responsibility that comes with it as well, because there is no point being outside collecting this data if it's not being digitised correctly and looked at. So once this data is collected, what what was it used for? A lot of the databases that we have are tailored so that they can be used by any of the national bodies on particular taxa, like the MOF datasets, for example, all go to the county recorder at the end of the year. That's quite important that that gets used. And the bird data gets filtered into BirdTrack as well. So the BTO can use that in their data sets. That's particularly important because bird observatories actually make up, I think it's about 10% of the entire bird track data set. Wow. And, in, and that's, we're talking millions and millions of data points. And that's important because the bird observatories have, been, have got data going back 70 years, if not more. So trying to find and understand you know, these, what's happening with house sparrow. Not many people were recording house sparrows in a lot of detail back in the 50s. So you need this core observatory data. You can also look at that and you can see the timings of how Willow Warbler has changed its arrival times in the UK or, or the decline of Willow Warbler, as, using that as an example again from the southeast, presumably due to climate change as well. And all the other taxa that we do as well all make their way into the national data sets. So whenever you see those news stories about swallows decline this much or you know new species spread this far, it's all coming from that data, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And it, I mean, that's the great thing about the bird observatory network around the UK is because it takes in all of these different aspects all around from different pinch points around the coast around the UK. Where are the other bird observatories? And I'll put you on the spot with this one. Roughly, where are they in the country, these other bird observatories? There's over 20 bird observatories in the UK. We have some in East Anglia. We have some on the east coast of England, Yorkshire. We have some up on Shetland and Orkney and in West Wales as well. And then we have our, I think our newest one is Lundy on, on, off the coast of Devon. Oh, lovely. I must go to Lundy one day. You mentioned there's a new bee for the country earlier. I guess that species is exclusive to sandwich at the moment, is it? Is there any other species that are only found at sandwich in the whole of the UK at the moment? So the species that was found new to Sandwich Bay was dusky horned nomad bee. That's Nomada bifasciata. And that's a parasite on the Andrina gravida species, I think, which is usually just restricted to Kent. We've now found this 
Nomad elsewhere and a few other places in Kent. I think once people realised it was at Sandwich Bay, yeah. people went and gone, oh, wait a minute, I should be looking for this elsewhere as well. So it's now found to be in a few places around the Kent coastline. And I think at the moment it's only just restricted to that host, which is more or less a Kent endemic. But it looks like both species are doing really well. So I expect both of them to spread more through the southeast shortly. So it was very briefly only found at Sandwich, but they found it elsewhere. Yes, we also had another... We had a, a Stellis species, which would have been new for Britain, but we couldn't actually confirm it at the time. And then someone found it new for Britain about a week later down the road, outside of Sandwich, basically, which was frustrating. <laughs> but we've, um, we expect that, because where we are positioned on the Kent coast, we intercept these things that are arriving into the UK first. And the, the habitat here is just, it's just amazing. So we fully expect that more will be found here in due course. Yeah, and you've got the June tiger beetle there as well, haven't you? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean the the sand dune stuff in particular is particularly impressive. We've we've got a broom rape that parasitizes on the sea holly. We have the sand lizards. We have the the southern dune tiger beetles, and all the other coastal flora and things here as well. And you've had some ant lions flying around, haven't you? Yeah, that's that's really interesting. We had a lot of ant lions last year. But if at the time we were getting the ant lions, there were also lots of migratory moths and butterflies and dragonflies. So we, we just think that they're probably dispersing from maybe northern France. There is suitable habitat for them here. And I hope to one day maybe I can find the, the pits of the larvae and prove that they're here. Yeah, for, for those who don't know, they dig a little like funnel-shaped pit, isn't it? And there's a that's what the Sarlacc pit in Return of the Jedi is based on for any Star Wars fans out there. Um, and it's just a big pair of jaws at the bottom of a pit, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I've seen them in other places in the UK, so I know what to look for. And I just, you know, I think one day maybe I'll stumble into it by accident. Yeah, and there is a podcast episode coming on ant lions. I've I've actually written most of it. So they're just brilliant little creatures. Well, I've got one more question for you, Stefan. It sounds like you've seen a large number of species at Sandwich already, but of all the species that are likely to turn up there and haven't, is there one high up on your wish list? It has to be likely. Okay. Um, well, 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 feasible, not necessarily yeah. likely. We, um, you know, not an elephant. No, no. I, I mean, there's a few things in my head. I mean, because I'm interested in so much different taxa. You know, there's lots of different things available that I'd be quite interested in seeing. Bird-wise, I'd love to find an American passerine here. It's been about 60 years since our last one, um, and we're pretty much as far east as you could possibly go in the UK. So there's, we're pretty much the furthest point away from America. Uh, so it's, it's, it's unlikely, but one of the summer, one of the warblers that they get there in summer plumage, maybe a cerulean or something would be, would be lovely. Uh, much more likely is probably like an odonata from just across the channel. Goblet marked damselfly is, is moving north incredibly quickly, and I expect that, that will be here soon, if not here already. So I just need to keep my eyes peeled for that. But I think if I think of one thing I'd really like to find, I think it'd be really exciting to rediscover the apple bumblebee, um, because that hasn't, that hasn't been seen in the UK since the mid-1800s, and the last specimens were found right here. So it's a claim to fame, and I'd, I'd just be amazing to find that it's, it's been here you know, and surviving. Yeah, and, and say where you are, it's going to spread back. <laughs> it's probably high up on the list, isn't it? Uh, I don't think it's unfortunately doing very well on the continent. Oh. So the, the chance of recolonisation may be quite slim, but um, it would be nice. You know, uh, you can dream. Yeah, there's a, there's a few dragonflies on my list, I mean, the violet dropwing. That, uh, that was tipped to be 
uh, although it's not as far north as some other species that are spreading north, it was spreading north at such a rate that it might actually have overtaken. Yeah, there's, there's a few yeah. species. Um, after what happened at the start of the last decade, I'm surprised we haven't had another wave because you had small red eyes come over at the end of the last century. And then around 2010, we had willow emerald, southern emerald and submarine hawker turn up. Absolutely. They're just so common here. All of those species that you mentioned there are breeding here in, in numbers. They're very easy now. So things are moving so quickly. I think um, climate change is just, you know, you watch the, the rate of movement in Odonata is the great species to look at in terms of that. But yeah, it's, there's things like scarlet darter and southern skimmer as well, which are just across the water and I think it won't be long before they're here. Oh, it's got to be soon, isn't it? You know, if we're all going to die from climate change, at least we'll get some good dragonflies beforehand. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, there's so much habitat here. I mean, I, I, I can't spend all my time looking for them. No. I'd love to. So if anyone wants to come down and, and stay here and have a little good look around, you know, more than welcome to. Well, that, that brings us nicely on to, if people want to visit Sandwich, how can they do it and how can they find out more information? Oh, it's, it's really easy. Seeing us on our social media, Sandwich Bird Ops is usually our tag. But if you want to book to stay, just visit us on our website. You can book straight to the website. It takes us into the accommodation as well there. And there's lots of information about other species and, and the reserves in the area. And even if you, you know, you can use this as a base to explore the wider area around East Kent. There's so many hotspots in Kent that are easily reached from Sandwich as well. So it's a good place to spend your time. Yeah, yeah so you've got Worth Marshes down the road and... All sorts. In fact, if anything, the habitat seems to be expanding down there, nature reserve-wise, which is always good to see. Absolutely. You've actually got this kind of mini landscape scale wetland creation going on across the whole area. So it's really exciting. There's lots going on. Yep. Yeah. The animals might actually want to come and stay when they come over when they find it. So that'd be great. Absolutely. Yeah. What are your social media addresses so people can find you guys, Stefan? I think they're all at Sandwich Bird Odds. So Twitter instagram facebook i'll put links to them people can find them thank you so much for coming on stefan i also want to say thank you for showing me around last year stefan showed me around sandwich and got me dainty damselfly when i did the dragonfly tour so thanks again for that that's no problem at all and i should just also mention that with that area with the dainty damselflies is we've actually been given the opportunity to purchase that field oh yes so that's exciting times for us because this is their national stronghold so we're hoping if you check our website we have an appeal going on pass the news around and see if we can get anyone to donate to help us purchase that, that field and, and secure the Dainty Damselfly's future here. Yeah, that'd be a great thing to do. So, uh, yeah, do go check it out, guys. And uh, I think that's it from me. So uh, thanks again, Stefan. And I'll see the rest of you next time. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the UK Wildlife Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then please do subscribe and leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast service you use. You can follow us on Twitter at UK Wildlife Pod, all one word. Or on Instagram at UK Wildlife Podcast. And like us on our Facebook page, UK Wildlife Podcast. And you can also post to the UK Wildlife Podcast community group. If you would like to share your wildlife news or sightings with us on Instagram or Twitter, then please tag us in the post and use the hashtag UK Wildlife Podcast. And you can now support us through our Buy Me A Coffee account, which you can find at buymeacoffee.com forward slash UK Wildlife Pod, where you can give us a one-off bit of support or join our membership scheme. Head there to find out more. This episode was edited by Neil Phillips and music is by Oscar Henderson. You can find him on Instagram at oscar.creates.